Welcome to Peacemakers, an interview style podcast where you'll hear and learn from world changers, ministry leaders, creatives, and many others who are influencing change and bringing peace to those around them. We're so excited that you're tuning in. Here's your host, Jonathan Moya. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Peacemakers. I'm super excited about today's conversation. Today's guest is Daniel Montañez. Daniel Montañez is a PhD student in theology, ethics, and philosophy at Boston University and an adjunct professor at Pentecostal Theological Seminary and the Latino and Global Ministries Program at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. He is the founder and director of Migration Christian Conference and leads the Church of God Migration Crisis Initiative. Daniel is dedicated to serving migrant communities through ministry, scholarship, and social engagement. I'm glad to welcome you to today's podcast. How are you, Daniel? Thank you so much. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm glad we get to do this. Of course. I'm so excited to be speaking with you, and I'm so glad that you get to share with us today. I'm excited to speak with you and hear more about the work that you're leading and the importance of theology when it comes to the topic of migration and the church. And so as we dive into this conversation, I would love to share with our listeners, who is Daniel? Like, where did you grow up? What influences your faith, you know, in your upbringing. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Who is Daniel? That is such an existential question, but I'll try to keep it as simple as possible so that I don't have a crisis or anything like that. But myself, I was born here in the United States in Visalia, California. It's about an hour's north of Bakersfield, if you're familiar. It's kind of the Central Valley area. Born to a Mexican mother, Puerto Rican father, and half Mexican, half Puerto Rican. I often identify myself as Mexican or body Mexican, finding that in between space. And I think how I define myself oftentimes is just a second generation Latino who's in the process of figuring out what it means to be second generation, reclaiming my own Latino heritage and trying to be a voice for the people that raised me, for the people who influenced me. And yeah, doing my best to do that in the areas in which God has called me to. So that's a little bit about me. I grew up as far as my faith, I grew up as a pastor's kid in a Latino Pentecostal church. So faith was something that was always at the center of my life. It wasn't until my college years that I really began to take my faith seriously. During that time, we experienced something, a revival within my local church. And that's really when I began to become impassioned with the word of God and just beginning to share my faith in that way. And I got involved in college ministry, campus ministry at that time. And it was during that time where I began to feel a call to ministry. So I entered that call and it's been a journey since then. God's been faithful. God's been taking me places where I never expected him to, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Well, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your context and background with us, because so much of life and what we're doing now is influenced, right, by our upbringing, by those who came before us, those who have laid a foundation. I know that that's something that I always recall in my own life. And so I see that as such high influence in the person that I am today and my faith and the work that I'm involved in. And so I love the diversity that you shared in your upbringing and your influence growing up. And so I first connected with you, I believe it was through the Migration Christian Conference. And so I believe we even had a prayer time shared together at one point. And I think this was pre-COVID-19 and then obviously have admired your work from afar many times, but then also have been a part of just a different 
offerings that you've had through the conference. And so for those of us who are listening who have not heard about the Migration Christian Conference, can you tell us a little bit about this ministry tool and resource? Can you share about the vision behind the conference and how you're bringing people together in this space? Absolutely. Migration Christian Conference is a conference that began in around the summer of 2019. Also, I think it's important to mention a key component of my identity as well is that I am married to my beautiful wife, Paula. And this is essential to the story of how Migration Christian Conference Mm. came about because you know how oftentimes when people are dating, they have those late night conversations and start sharing their heart and everything like that. Well, we were having one of those conversations, I think back in 2018. And I just began to share with her about my heart of, of where things are at within the conversations around immigration right now and how things are so politically contentious and how I just wish people would come together and really understand and just explore the scriptures and understanding what, what God's heart is for immigrant communities. So we began to speak about hosting a conference. And I mean, if you know my wife, she is an amazing planner, an amazing organizer. She organized conference before with youth ministry at the church. So she made it happen. I really, Migration Christian Conference really could not have come to be what it is if it wasn't for her and and her encouragement and her support along the way. So yeah, Migration Christian Conference began in the summer of 2019 in Boston, Massachusetts. It was at the church we attended, Congregation Lion of Judah. And the purpose of this time was really just that, to explore God's heart through stories of immigration within the Bible, and then also beginning to understand how those stories can begin to speak to the stories of immigrants within our world today. So we hosted that. We had Dr. Daniel Kirill Rodas, who wrote Christians at the Border, come speak at that initial conference. We had a nonprofit immigration legal consulting agency called Agencia Alpha, who does amazing work within the Boston area. They came and gave training resources to the attendees to begin to understand how they can understand issues of immigration and also help immigrants present there with their process, how to apply for citizenship, English classes, all those different types of things. So it really became a a holistic place where people began to explore their stories together. And if you notice, Migration Christian Conference is actually spelled with a Y, M, Y, and then Migration Christian Conference. That's been very intentional. And the reason for that is because we want people not only to explore the stories of immigration within the Bible, but also their own personal stories, Mm -hmm. because everyone, in a sense, has their own migration story, because humanity is part of what it means to be human is to be on the move. And if it wasn't us, it was our parents or our grandparents or our great-grandparents and helping people to reflect and find kind of this common identity and unity around this idea of movement and within their stories so that they can begin to share with one another and see that people have more in common than, than they think they do. So that's really the heart behind it. Since then, it's continued to grow and expand. During the pandemic, we went online, which was a blessing in disguise because we began to have more of a national outreach to people on different parts of the coast. And we're hoping to go back in person, God willing, this next year in Boston. So we're keeping that in prayer. (laughs) Definitely. No, I love the context, you know, because I was intrigued by it when I first came upon it and then we connected, but I had never known the significance of even just the name and the play and just the grammar. And that is so intentional. And I love that because as much as we're learning about, you know, biblical stories or history. I think this conversation is so relevant just today. I love that you're doing that. Thank you for leading those conversations. Thank you for creating those intentional spaces so that the church as a whole can continue to 
be on this journey of learning and educating ourselves. This podcast is titled Peacemakers, you know, and really comes from the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 9, you know, it says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Reflecting on this, a friend recently shared this with me about peacemaking. If you're a peacemaker, then you will be living a life of a sojourner. You will be an alien, a strange. Others will look at you and say, you're doing it the hard way. And that's exactly it. We're running a race and it's worth it. From what I know about you and your work, you fit the mold of a peacemaker. So what does peacemaking look like in your space of influence? Why is bringing a biblical and theological perspective important for the future of the church? Yeah, that's a great question. And I really appreciate that quote as well. If you're a peacemaker, then you're living the life of a sojourner. I think the way in which I have come to frame my own understanding of what it means to be a Christian is to be a sojourner within this world, is to be somebody who is continually on the move. And with that identity, what does it mean to care for others who are with us, who are moving with us, who are restless wanderers along the way? In regards to peacemaking, I mean, I think that's something that is central to what I try to do with my work. I've always kind of understood peacemaking as transforming the narrative of immigration. What does it mean to transform the narrative of immigration within American evangelicalism as well as the United States in general? I think oftentimes conversations of immigration have been so highly politicized over time that it's difficult to have genuine conversations. And for me, Bringing this biblical theological perspective for Christians is important because what we seek to do is to set aside politics, to set aside all other earthly identities that might exist in, and, and think about what does it mean to be a citizen of heaven and how does that affect my conduct, my ethics, my way of life here on this earth and how are these Christian scriptures teaching me and leading me to interact with my neighbor, not for this kingdom, but for an eternal kingdom. And I think that's really at the center of, of what we what we try to do. Thank you so much for continuing to share resources, continuing to be a peacemaker in this really diverse conversation of narratives in a very polarizing, sometimes approach to migration, right? And so talking about peace and trying to bring unity and understanding to this is very difficult because I know that I deal with this, uh, you know, every day in the work that I do at Border Perspective. I wanted to congratulate you because one of the reasons I'm excited to have you on today is to just talk about the Church and Migration book. And so congratulations, first of all, for publishing that. I can only imagine the amount of work that it took. And then I also recently saw that it was just translated into Espanol. So felicidades. Thank you. Thank you. We're really happy, really excited. Actually, it was translating the Spanish much than we expected to. We, we thought it happened in February, but thankfully the publishers were able to get it done within, I think, two or three months time. So we're really excited uh, for it to be available uh, in Spanish as well. That's amazing. If you're listening to this conversation, The Church in Migration, the book, it really allows us to engage into a theological and biblical interpretation of migration. So the description reads like this, in an age of global migration and mass displacement, what is the responsibility of the church in responding to the needs and realities of migrants in displaced communities? All too often, the narrative surrounding immigration is depicted as highly political and divisive, 
within mainstream media. In evangelical and charismatic circles, many Christians are more likely to be influenced by what the media says about immigration than the Bible. So this book seems to transform the narrative of immigration by approaching it from a larger lens of human migration, by exploring the theme of human migration throughout the grand narrative of Scripture. So this resource sets forth a theological vision for understanding migration from a biblical theological perspective. This is a great resource to continue to bring people together, especially people of faith. And so why do you think that this book is especially important right now? Just to echo what the description said and kind of make a point of it, within my own work, I've tried to slowly move away from, at least for now, to move away from the term immigration and focus more particularly on migration. And the sole reason for that is because immigration has become a term that is just so highly politicized, polarizing, divisive, that it's difficult to have a conversation with people. But when we take a step back, and see things from the larger lens of, of human migration being the movement of peoples as a sociological phenomenon, then we begin to see things beyond the legal dimensions, beyond the political dimensions. We can begin to see things from the human dimension, from the biblical dimension, from a historical dimension. And I think this book is important right now because, I mean, I think migration is always and will always be a pressing issue, regardless of whether or not it's a, a hot topic issue on the news or if it's in season for a, a political cycle. I think one of the things that hurts my heart often is that these conversations happen and immigrants are often used for political ends for the sake of accomplishing a particular agenda. And just because we don't see something maybe on the news does not mean that something is not happening at the border or that it's not happening in another country. So I think the past six years has just been a very strenuous time for many people and i think at this time where we are currently within kind of just like the social conscious of our context i think the dust has settled a bit to where people can begin to take a breath and begin to approach these conversations in not such a contentious way so i think well my hope is that this book can kind of be that starting point for that i love that because that's one of the realities of the work that we do at the border often people don't realize that, for example, the church has been active in the welcoming and the hospitality of people for decades. And I'm talking about decades before I was born, decades before, say, my parents' church settled on the border. And that's the important thing that you're trying to highlight, right? Like migration has always been a part of life and it will continue to be a part of life moving forward. And so thank you for giving us this resource that can help us engage this from more of a really a day-to-day -day life approach rather than just to see it in kind of these, for the sake of terms, maybe even political context or political term. I wanted to ask, well, how did this book idea come about? I know that you talk a little bit about it at the beginning of the book. And then how did you bring so many great voices to co-author this book? So I think it was back right at the beginning of the pandemic around actually probably right at the beginning of 2020, I had enrolled into a diploma program at Fuller Theological Seminary. If you're not familiar with it, the Centro Latino at Fuller Theological Seminary actually offers a six-month diploma on the church's response to the migration crisis. And for me, as I mean, I've done studies within this particular area, but for me, this was an opportunity to really engage in a practical way and to begin to explore this in a more in-depth way. Usually when I've taken courses in the past, it's not as thorough or as in-depth 
I would like it to be. And it was also very hands-on in, in finding ways to connect with people within the local church. So this was a six-month program that I had a team of about eight people where we really began to explore how the church can respond in positive and proactive ways to the needs and realities of immigrant communities. And at the end of that six months, we actually drafted this resolution of 10 principles of what we believe is, in a sense, a biblical theological framework for what the Bible says about immigration. And that can actually be found at the end of the book and the appendix, those 10 principles. I had taken those 10 principles to a good friend of mine, Wilmer Estrada Carasquillo. He works at Pentecostal Theological Seminary. I had showed him it to get his thoughts on it. And he told me, there's a book in here (laughs) and you need to write it and I will help you write it and make it happen. It's just something that needs to be put out there. And we explored the different ways in which this could be done. He said, you can write the book yourself and we can publish it through Pentecostal Theological Seminary, or we can serve as editors and find other people to write the chapters. And I was just starting my PhD program. So I'm like, I don't have time to write a a whole (laughs) book in the middle of doing a PhD program. So I told him, let's edit this volume together. I think it'd be nice if we, in a sense, did this en conjunto is a term that's very common within Hispanic and Latino theology, teología en conjunto, and really have people come together and explore these themes. So we reached out to different pastors, scholars, activists, people who have experience within this field to write each of these chapters. And we were able to get an amazing team of many Pentecostal scholars together to write this book and then put it forth. So that's really how it came to be. That's awesome. I love the diversity that you brought together. And I love the perspective, but at the same time, really love how it flows together, you know, from beginning to end. I myself, I'm just going through it. And so I've I've skimmed most of the book, but I am taking it a little bit slower. And so I'm about halfway through it and already, you know, really making it available as a resource for those who we help mobilize and learn more about the humanitarian crisis happening at the U.S.-Mexico border so they can continue to you know, their journey of learning and educating themselves on this. I love how there's a section that's titled The Purpose of the Book, where you highlight the theological vision of how the church can understand and respond to this phenomenon of global migration and human displacement in ways that are both positive and proactive. And so honestly, like when I think about that, I think about the evangelical church as falling a bit behind into our response to this. And so I love that you highlight, especially at the end, right? Like the phenomenon of global migration and human displacement is both can be positive and proactive, especially for us as people of faith, where we understand scripture, because part of the book is also highlighting, and I love the statistics. Most of us only know about this conversation because of what we're being told or what's being written, say, in mainstream culture and media. But if we call ourselves people of faith or followers of Jesus, oftentimes there's a large percentage, I believe it was 88% of evangelical Christians, and this statistic might have changed as of recent, right? (laughs) But a large percentage of evangelical Christians still, we don't have a biblical grasp on how we are to do this. Where do you think the church has missed the mark in understanding our purpose to those who are migrating and displaced? I think you said it well earlier in the idea that this is a reality that has always been present, but also that the church king for immigrants has always been a part of the church's DNA. 
And I think that's something that's often missed within evangelical circles. That's missed, that's forgotten. And since I go back to Leviticus 1934, the foreigner who resides among you should be treated as your own, love them as yourselves. For you were foreigners in Egypt, and I am the Lord your God. That's what Leviticus 1934 says. And well, just to say, this past summer, I had the opportunity to go to Spain, and I visited Santiago de Compostela. Uh, and I did something that was called the Camino de Santiago, which has really become this type of spiritual pilgrimage for people. We didn't do the entire thing. We did like eight miles of it. But as we were doing it, we would stop at little churches along the way as we did this spiritual pilgrimage. And what we learned was that originally when people were, were migrating from France and other parts of Europe to Spain, these migrants would stop at the churches during the day to pray for protection and pray for safety. And in the evenings, these churches would serve as hostels for people who were migrating, people who were moving to stay overnight, to rest so that they could continue this journey. And this happened for hundreds of years. This is something that's part of the DNA of, of who the church is. And I think this is something that is often forgotten in these conversations. One of the most impactful things for me during that time was when we were walking down the Camino, we would pass by locals and other people walking in and they would say, Buen Camino as they pass by. And that really resonated with me. One Camino means good journey or have a good journey. And for me, that was so significant because, I mean, at the time when people were migrating, it was, there were dangerous times. You didn't know who you would come across. You could be robbed, killed, all these types of things. But even this type of spiritual meaning of, I'm only seeing you once on this journey here in life together, but I hope you have a good journey. And and hope that the journey that, that God has set before you is a good one that, that you are safe, that you are protected, that you are loved, and that you have, in a sense, a good, meaningful, purposeful life. And I think that's something that's often missed when we think about immigrants. I think oftentimes, again, we are so influenced and so easily influenced by fear. And what this book says is we are a community of faith. And as a community of faith, we don't need to respond in fear. God has given us tools. God has given us power, love, sound mind to learn how to approach these issues and care for brothers and sisters who are on the move. So I think those are some of the things in which I hope that, that the church can begin to grasp through exploring this book. So I love how the book is laid out. I love that it begins by laying the foundation that we're created in the image of God. It reminds us of our identity in the image of God. And then it moves into the topic of creation and the fall of humanity. Then it focuses on redemption and restoration. Then it challenges us to hospitality, right? And in conclusion, one of the writer mentions that this book is not the final word on migration, but an invitation to a conversation that involves us all. How would you encourage churches or individuals that are listening to this podcast to use this book as a ministry resource and tool in their own learning and journey? Absolutely. I think this book can be used within a local church. I'd encourage people to either start a small group with their leaders or with people within their local church. But I think more so than just a book, it's a conversation that involves us all. Really bringing it back to this notion of, of Migration Christian Conference. What does it mean those people who you have the conversation with to explore how God is present within their migration journeys as well? How God has moved with them, has existed with them, and has been present with them and faithful to them. Many times when you speak with people who, who have crossed over the border, they have their own faith journeys, they have their own experience, and say, God protected me as I went through this experience. And just as God was present within the stories of migrants within the Christian scriptures, 
So God is also present with migrants in their journeys today. So helping people, not just reading this book, but also listening to the people who you engage with in this book, I think can be a very fruitful experience. I love the practicality of this resource. And I think it you are helping us move towards that more and more. And so I commend and encourage you on this journey. I love that, you know, we can highlight this important conversation and resource, and we'll definitely be highlighting it within our network. And so those who are on a continuous learning journey can continue to make it a part of their learning. So was there anything else that I should have asked, but didn't? Is there anything you want to leave us with today? I'm just thankful for the work that you do with Border Perspectives. I mean, you've been an inspiration to me as well. I, I see you as somebody who's actually doing this work on the ground. I try to do this work as much as I can. I with connected with the local Latino church, but I live in Boston. So it's not the same being at the U.S.-Mexico border, but it looks different within different contexts. And oftentimes I shared this with you earlier, being trapped within the ivory tower often creates this kind of dissonance between the lived experiences of people and that. So I'm thankful for your work. I hope that we can continue to be a resource to one another, to strengthen one another, because we are all on the same mission to empower our local immigrant communities and really yeah, to bring people to Christ as well. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. I hope that one day soon we will cross paths in person. And maybe that crossing of paths will bring us to a place where we can both be in full fulfillment of what the Lord has called us to. Again, thank you for our conversation. If you're listening, you can find more about Daniel on Twitter and Instagram at Daniel Montañez. So you can check out more of the Migration Conference at their website at migrationchristianconference.com and make sure to get a copy of The Church in Migration. This book is available on Amazon. So again, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us on today's conversation. Thank you, Jonathan. It's been a pleasure. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. If there was anything that stood out to you from this conversation, we'll post links about it in our show notes. So make sure to check those out. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Peacemakers. Wherever you subscribe to podcasts, go ahead and hit subscribe. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes and share this episode with your friends through Instagram stories on Spotify. And most importantly, don't forget to join us for our next exciting episode. Peacemakers podcast is made possible by Border Perspective. Border Perspective partners with ministry leaders and organizations to host conversations on social and biblical issues that help equip the church to love our neighbor the way God intended. You can also join Border Perspective on a service learning trip along the southern border. These trips are immersive, educational, and intentionally place you into the lives of immigrant leaders serving families on the South Texas and Mexico border. To learn more about how you can join Border Perspective's peacemaking mission, visit Border Perspective. Dot org.